Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast summer podlet series. I'm Ros Clark and the Associate Director of Church Society and as always for our book review podcast I'm joined by Amanda Robbie. Now Amanda you recommended uh, that we read uh, this book for this this podcast. Can you just tell us what the book is, how you came across it and why you thought it would be a good idea for us to read it? Because it is it is a little bit off the beaten track. Yeah, it's isn't it? very off the beaten track. Um, it's called Intentional Discipleship and Disciple Making, an Anglican Guide for Christian Life and Formation. And it is published by the Anglican Communion. Communion. There you go. And in fact, you can download it for free as a PDF. You can. That's what I did. I have not got the actual the Anglican book. Communion but, office. But you've got I a printed copy. I paid real money for it. And I paid real money for it because it was recommended by Archbishop Moon Hing, who uh, is the Archbishop of Southeast Asia and all, uh, from West Malaysia. And he was over in our diocese uh, doing a series of talks on intentional discipleship and events. And I was able to go to half of one. I had other things on, unfortunately. Uh, I, I particularly like to hear from Malaysians because uh, my husband and I, Neil, and I used to live in Malaysia and then we lived in Singapore. So we already had connections to those dioceses when we came over, came, when my husband started training as a vicar. So a little bit of family history. And so we are, yeah, I was very interested to see what this book would be about. And it's a, a book that Moon Hing sort of headed up, I think, um, a, a, a group from the Anglican Communion. He is head of intentional discipleship for the Anglican Communion. And he um, he put this book together. So it is a book by committee. Yes, and it very much feels like that as you're reading it, doesn't it? So there's a, a quite a lot of chapters. And I think they're all written by different people, although it's yes. not identified who wrote which one. Yeah. And some of the chapters have a lot of really interesting content. Some of them are very brief. And there, there are a number that you just think, I don't really know why that was included at all, except it feels like someone just wrote a list of yes. all the things that the book must cover and therefore there's a chapter on yeah, it. So it, it's very interesting. That, I mean, one of the wonderful things is it's got snapshots of uh, discipling uh, patterns in different parts of the Anglican Communion, some of which are sound very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Some... I thought that was the really exciting part of the book. Is mm. and the, So there's sort of two halves, aren't there? The yeah. first half, which is... Um, a theological background, which I have some issues about describing that as a theological background. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a moment. And then the second half, contemporary Anglican praxis of discipleship. And that's really sort of from each continent, little overviews of what's happening in different places. And But throughout the book, the, there are kind of mentions of different resources and different things going on. And it, it's really encouraging to hear a lot of that. Yeah, it's, it's you know, we don't often read Anglican books. You know, it's not really such a thing. You know, books are written by Anglicans, but this is a very Anglican book. And it's it's been really interesting to sort of engage with it and and get snapshots, I think, of yeah. of the way things are going in different parts of the communion. So, yeah, as we yeah. said, much of it very encouraging. So the sort of it does start off by by trying to help us to understand a bit of what discipleship is and yeah. and why there's this focus on intentional discipleship. Yeah. Uh, so we begin with a biblical theology mm. of discipleship, and I thought there was some some helpful uh, interaction with the Bible there, some yeah. helpful understanding of of what discipleship is and what disciple making is and so on there's quite a lot of church history um looking at the early church looking at um discipleship 
in the in the Roman Catholic Church and in the Orthodox Church yes, seemed a sort of mix s- slightly unexpected to me why we would have that rather than for example discipleship in other Protestant denominations we might expect to have more in common with um but yes I don't know from that sort of history section were there things that you would pick out and think oh that was really interesting so to I, hear was, about. I, I I'm mm. obviously not as versed in church history as you Ros and I I did actually enjoy the history of Anglican formation and right. discipleship in that sort of church history part. Really looking at the sort of um, the English Reformation and the Reformed Church of England followed a special route in these broader developments. I thought yes. that was a very good description. Yes, yeah, special. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so not not following uh, the rest of Europe as usual. But it, but the, the I mean the thing that that sort of draws out there is the notion of catechism, yes. which is something that you get in the the European Reformation yeah. as well. The sort of Heidelberg Catechism, famously, yeah. and and others, um, and 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 catechism is part of an Anglican tradition. Yes, very much. And I was I was. There was lots of Reformation church history that I, I, I'm quite a fan of church history Mm. and I've read some, but this was stuff I'd not read. Alexander Noel's semi-official catechism uh, ran to several hundred pages. Well, I've never heard of that. So there's obviously quite a lot of um, stuff there that, that has been abandoned by the church, but maybe interesting to look at. (laughs) Yeah. It's never been mentioned. Well, certainly, um, I mean, we, we have a little, um, church society catechism uh, that's on our website and we're hoping to publish a, an updated slightly more modern version of that um at, at some point in the near future and i think the there is a little resurgence in the whole notion of of catechism i yes. think in in conservative circles aren't there? the new city catechism obviously yeah. um that's uh, come out recently and so on so it's interesting to see that that's something attrition and i think one of the things that really struck me about some of the contemporary examples that they use of discipleship, particularly in Africa, but also in the sort of theology as they were bringing that through, was the focus on teaching and learning. Mm. And I think, we were talking about this earlier, in the UK, we have an education model that is not really focused anymore on teaching and learning stuff it's focused on sort of exploring and well, sharing a, i think there's a debate in education circles but certainly the default is a sort of discovery model yes. rather than a imbibing of knowledge you know transmitting of knowledge model yes and it and it just it really made me think because when we think about how jesus discipled his disciples he taught them. I, I don't see him sitting around saying, well, let's let's just open this and share together yeah. and, and discover together what it means. Yeah. You know, here's stuff to tell them and they have to learn it. And yeah, I just, it's I, refreshing to see that that, yes. that is still happening in some places. I, I did think um, that they were very much promoting the, the idea of catechi- mm. catechism, which is, is teaching. And there is a little critique of some of the problems um, uh, saying increased reliance on worshippers formation but because we don't have the DC, BCP anymore worships formational capacities are weakened so people don't know the same things they don't know the yes, same liturgy exactly whereas liturgy used to be a really great way of doing catechesis almost without having to think about it yeah. actually if you don't have good solid liturgy and you're not using it the same every week and all of those things That's right. it doesn't have that same um, effect yeah so it also says there's increased reliance on re- revival techniques but yeah. not catechesis yeah so it, it, it is a promotion of that and I, I was quite excited and thinking actually that is part of our heritage as Anglicans yes. is to catechise yes I think that's that's right um 
There didn't seem to me, given that the whole of that first section was called a theological understanding of discipleship, I didn't feel like they were really doing any theology. There was there was the Bible, there was some biblical theology at the beginning, but then there was a lot of description of what has been done throughout history yeah. and, and a certain amount of descriptive of of the contemporary practice, the five marks of mission. Yes, I, ju- I just think there just was far too much to cover, really. Yes. They, I think that the committee probably... As, as you were saying, was yeah. said, oh, these are all the things we need to cover and then realised that, you know, each of those was a book in themselves. Yes. I, you know, I, I so it's very tricky, isn't it, to cover something huge without being perfunctory. Yes, and particularly when you're trying to cover something for every particular context. So mm. we were talking about the fact there's a chapter on healing and discipleship yeah. and there's quite a lot in there about exorcism and, and demonic mm. um, deliverance, which if I were writing a book on discipleship for the UK context, I probably wouldn't feel I needed to include at all. But if you're writing a book which you're hoping people in Africa, for example, are going to also read, actually those may be things that are much more important to deal with a sort of upfront. So again, you end up with a sort of surface treatment of a lot of things. Yes, and there was there was a there was a very weird chapter on instrument uh, discipleship and the instruments of the of Anglican communion, which I didn't think really said very much at all, and I kept on quoting some rather excellent sounding resolutions from Lambeth conferences in nineteen oh eight and nineteen forty eight. So yes, exactly, and you sort of wonder, well, you know, maybe we that's what we need to be doing more of is looking back to what the Lambeth Conference decided a hundred years ago, yes. um, and not so much what it decided in the last ten or twenty years. Uh, so the second section of the book uh, focuses uh, on examples of discipleship going on and good practice in discipleship from around the Anglican Communion. Um, and I thought there was a lot of really exciting things happening. Again, a little bit of a mixed bag, but some really good things. Yeah. Um, talk to us about Rooted in Jesus. This was a new-to-me yeah, thing. This was absolutely new to me as well. And um, it's a course that's been developed by... Uh, the Diocese of, I think it was Tanzania, and with help from the Diocese of Leicester, their partner diocese. And these, Rooted in Jesus, is a course of catechism, really, of, of teaching. Uh, and one of the key things that was really fascinating about it is that only one person is required to be literate. Yes. So the leader of the group has to be able to read and write, but the way it's taught doesn't assume that anybody else in the group can read or write or have a Bible or any of those things. So it's all done orally. Yeah, and it's small groups and it seems to be flourishing throughout Africa, adopted in 31 dioceses or so. I can't remember, lots of very impressive statistics. And we were so excited by it. We Googled it, didn't (laughs) we? We did. I went and looked it up on the website and you can see the, the whole outline of the course and you can look at the the materials for the first course module and just I thought it looked great I mean you know it just really clear and simple working through all the sort of basics that you'd want people in your churches to know and understand and be able to apply to their lives and one of the things I loved about it and I I did think this was quite a strength in a lot of what we talked about in the book was the importance of discipleship, including service. Mm. That actually we make disciples and part of that is helping them to see how they are using their gifts to serve and disciple others. And and that was built into the Rooted in Jesus course. Um, Yeah, and it just looked um, like something that really uh, worked well for that kind of situation. But actually we were talking about 
whether it's something that could be adapted yeah. you know so you might need to take out the bits about how does this apply in, you know to your tribal identity but actually yes. <laughs> a lot of it is very straightforward basic christian belief and life and yeah and i think practice. as our culture is increasingly non you know non-literate well people in, yeah. can read but they prefer not to but also um uh, not w- with no christian background effectively with assumptions but no yeah. no real background actually to have a course which comes from a culture where people definitely have no christian background is is maybe um something that's worth thinking about I, and yes. i was wondering as well we're in a very multicultural context here and people do do not do a very illiterate yeah theologically in yes. terms of Christianity. And I also um, love the idea of, of thinking more about that, that oral form of teaching. Mm. Because although books are a great blessing, and I'm, I'm certainly not about to give, give up mine, and, and obviously having a Bible is a, a great blessing, and I'm not about to give up mine, it is true that for the ma- majority of church history, people didn't learn from books. They learned by listening. Jesus' disciples learned by listening to him. And there's something about the way you learn when you've got to internalise it because it's not written down that actually does sink deeper and whether we should be thinking about doing more learning of... So in the Rooted in Jesus course, for example, they do a memory verse in every session. And so actually by the end of the, the course, you'll have learned, I think, the best part of 50 verses by heart. What a wonderful resource to have as well to carry as with you. having yeah. learned the Lord's Prayer and the Creed and, and other things as well. And, yeah. and wouldn't that be enriching to people in our churches if they had learned some stuff in Absolutely. that sort of way yeah. as well? So there were, there were some lovely things and obviously different kinds of examples in different places. you want to tell us a little bit about Southeast Asia again? Well, yes, and, uh, well there's, there's a whole chapter on Asia. So... Malaysia, they're using a discipleship DT model. What do they call it? Discipleship uh, training. Discipleship training, which is from a Korean Presbyterian model uh, that they're using. And again, it's this training people up. It's There were some great, uh, in all sorts of ways, with the, the gospel, the word, prayer, service and mission. Uh, there was a, a lovely phrase. So far, we have seen great improvement in the church giving, serving, commitment, punctuality. Wow. Walking the second mile, mission awareness, boldness, evangelism, and witnessing life change, attitude change, and willing to serve. And we've seen people love the word of God more, love yeah. God even more. So they're a really good testimony to that um, discipleship course they're doing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so it's great. Good. And, and Hong Kong, some, some similar things. Yes, and, and there was a Some particularly uh, interesting movement. reflections on the the sort of um, on the Middle East and working in places with a Muslim mm. um, community and, and some of the issues. I was fascinated with this sort of issue of discipleship around honesty. So we would think very straightforward. You know, Christians ought to be honest. Christians ought not to steal from anyone, but certainly not from one another. But actually, explaining that if you've come from a culture where within a close family or close knit community it would be weird to think of your possessions as belonging to you as an individual. So obviously you would think, well, this is my church family, it's my Christian family, what belongs to them belongs to me. And so... Which, of course, was true in Acts. Which is true, and and suddenly you're kind of... So, you know, the issues that there can be with miscommunication um, and misunderstandings... And, and also um, an, an ungodly uh, Western individualism. Yes. So, yes. Yes, and, and I think... Um, very striking to have to think about those in very different contexts what what does a christian disciple look like well not necessarily and in many ways not at all 
like a, a white Western disciple yes, absolutely. in different places. Um, the section from North America. Yes, we, well, there was Europe as well. And that was quite interesting because they were talking about multi-layered communities because people have got sort of Africans living, African Anglicans living in Finland sort of yes. thing. And that's how they so some very complicated. Some interesting um, cultural, um, cultural things. things. The Americas, yes. So Latin America and the Caribbean. Yeah, there's some, some interesting things interesting going on things, there. But North America... Well, the thing well, I thought was, was very striking to me about North America was how much it stuck out like a sore thumb from everywhere else. Mm. Which is not to say that everywhere else, I thought everything that was going on was brilliant and perfect mm. and wonderful. But you read the section about discipleship in North America, and it was very striking. There was no mention of the Bible at all. Whereas everywhere else, pretty much, it was clear that the main tool for discipleship was the scriptures. Yes but not in North America. And the main goal of discipleship there all seemed to be about adapting and experimenting and our community well, has changed and so therefore we must change and discipleship I, must I think change. as well, the North Americans, I found rather depressing because basically it was about the death of the church. Yes. They were talking about how um, business as usual not working and, yeah, they're sort of the end of Christendom. So, um, yeah, there, there, I think that, there, you know, as we know, that the, the Episcopal Church in, um, the U, in the US, certainly, and Canada, but the US, I know more about, is, is shrinking quite rapidly. So, obviously, yes. difficult things for them to face, and maybe they're not facing that in the right That's way. That's certainly true, but, you know, whatever the situation is you're facing, you're not going to make disciples if you've got no understanding of what discipleship is and what no. your main tools are for making disciples. Yes, so, yes, that's right. Uh, they seem, <laughs> so there we go. Yes, they... Um, yeah, anyway, there was a chapter on um, discipleship amongst children and young people, mm. and that was helpful just, I think, slightly too often for my liking. We tend to think that what we're doing with children is evangelism, but actually very clear that what we're doing is, is discipleship with children in our churches. Yeah. Um, so there's a youth version of the Rooted in Jesus course yes. and, and various other the, things. There, there, there's a, a, a enthusiasm about um, some work, work by Compassion International, and they have a website site for children.com. I haven't seen this, but it says it's got lots of resources for yeah. youth ministry. So Yeah, there we go. Um, uh, a slightly unhelpful uh, discussion of the sacraments, uh, which apparently we still have seven sacraments. No, we don't still have seven sacraments, but you wouldn't know it from reading this book. Although they did mention community, which I think is important. The yes. discipleship is done in community. I agree. And um, tendency to be individualistic. Yes. Is, uh, so there vague. we go. So, OK, so lots of stuff in the book. Yeah. Lots of things that we were encouraged to read about yeah. some things that were discouraging and disappointing, but unsurprising. Yeah. Who, given that, I mean, I've never read a book and you've never read a book, I think written, like this, produced no. by the Anglican communion no. or a book of this kind. Who do we think they were hoping would read this book? And what, what do we think the effect was that they were hoping? Yes. So uh, Moonhing encouraged everybody on who was attending his intentional discipleship, uh, teaching to get a copy of the book and certainly church leaders I think you know you and I are sort of involved in yeah. ministry in various ways and sort of um, it's sparked ideas it's made us think a bit differently and I I hope that's what the the, 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 the group they were thinking of it does use quite a lot of theological terms which I slightly blipped over but you can get most yes. of it without knowing those things. Yes some theological jargon and also quite a lot of obviously very Anglican jargon. Yes. So, I mean, I sort of think it's the kind of book that I imagine bishops get copies of mm. and 
some read and some don't and it may or may not trickle down in different ways through dioceses and I, I think it's a bit of a shame if it does end up only at that sort of level. Yes, um, I would like to see the sort of um, some of the case studies more widely disseminated. Maybe uh, I don't know how they do their copyright. Maybe we should be looking to do some of their it was sort of thing that go in a church magazine talking about. Yes, I was thinking that actually a sort of slightly distilled popular level version that got rid of all the the sort of stuff that just had to be there for the sake of it, but mm. said here's some stuff about. Great what discipleship studies. is and, and our history of it. Here's some great case studies of how that's working Maybe out around the world. Maybe if you were linked with a diocese in that area, that might be a, a yes. useful thing to explore a bit more. But I, I think the other thing I just wanted to, to kind of finish off, the book is called Intentional Discipleship. Mm. And, and that is the thing. It's not... Um, you know, he talks about it sort of being maybe a, a sort of move on from the decade of evangelism, which there was wasn't great meant to be these are the only 10 years we ever yeah. do evangelism and in a similar way this isn't meant to be the only time we ever do discipleship but actually being intentional about something yeah well there was raises great, its enthousi- profile great and... enthusiasm i know in this country mm. there was i've heard quite a lot of sort of negative comments about the decade of evangelism yeah. but in this book it was very positive about it and certainly when archbishop moon hink spoke he said that's the thing that has made the difference in malaysia because when they started the decade of evangelism they didn't want what to do so they they put it on every... So the bishop just said, well, put every PCC must have it on its agenda when every time it meets. It must put a budget and it must have a layperson in charge. And, and, and the bishop, the archbishop was saying, this is really what started to drive evangelism in um, hmm. Southeast Asia. Oh, it's, it's and I know... Asia, yeah. I mean, so you talked about, obviously, going to this seminar uh, that was organised with our diocese hmm. because they, they used to be our partner diocese. Hmm. Um, but discipleship has been a thing which our diocese has had on its agenda as well. And again, mm. I think every church is supposed to have a discipleship um, focus and yes. and so on. And I think we may often come from churches where discipleship is part and parcel of what we do all the time yeah. and, and is sort of the core of a lot of our church activities. And, yeah. and so maybe we don't need to be reminded to do it. But even in those places... It's not a bad thing every so often have to step back and think, are we doing the right things? Yes. Are we doing the most helpful things? Yeah, and the sort of that, that aspect of intentionality behind everything we do, even if it's uh, reaching a fringe mm. in order that they may make the next step towards becoming a disciple. Mm. Uh, th- there was some helpful emphasis, I think, in the book on one-to-one work, yeah. which is always a good thing to be reminded on because yeah. that is the most effective means of discipling people. I think that's right. And and just things like, um, you know, we might be, for example, a church that's very good at helping people to know their Bible better. Mm. Are we also a church that's very good at helping them to be giving in service? Yeah. Are we a church that's um, struggling to um, encourage people in their punctuality? Yes. Well, actually, it is a discipleship issue. So how are we discipling? Yeah people in their workplace to be more effectively living for Christ and so on. And so, you know, the, there will always be blind spots. And, and I found reading through this helpful challenge to me to think about my church and, and our situation. Are there things actually that we're not doing? Yeah, that, no, as well as I we think could? it's a good stimulus to thinking and yeah. uh, an unusual way to come at it. But And an interesting insight, perhaps, into a little bit of what the Anglican communion is really like. Yes. Um, you know, I a lot of really great stuff and a lot of stuff that you're just not sure why it's there yes. and a little bit that is really 
pretty dreadful. Yes, I did. I did on a couple of moments note flannel on my notes when I was making notes. There was there was some unnecessary padding. Yes, but do mine it. You can, as we said, yeah. you can get it for free. We'll put the link where you can download that, and it's certainly worth mm. having a look through. Yeah, um, good. Uh, we will be back in September with our normal series of Church Society podcasts, beginning with a podcast from. Uh, Jake, our junior Anglican Evangelical Conference happening at the end of August, so do join me then.